Heavenly Father, we are thankful that despite all the circumstances, despite all the worry, uh, despite all the drama at the world, um, in the world at large, uh, we can meet together uh, physically in this building uh, and online. Uh, and Lord God, we just thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. We yeah. thank you uh, that uh, you have saved us uh, through the death of Jesus, that we have a promise for eternal life, Amen. and that Lord God, we uh, live day to day um, as followers of you, that we are not our own, uh, but that we are devoted to you and your purposes. And Lord God, I pray as we meet for a short time this meeting, uh, this morning, that you would draw us along, that you would make us fall more in love with you, that uh, how we behave would be more in tune with your best for our lives, and uh, that, Lord God, that we would be uh, uh, made ready for heaven. Uh, Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Please be seated. Um, I'm going to do a sort of uh, a talk first and then a couple of notices at the end. Um, it's just worth saying sort of welcome. Thank you for going through all the different um, sort of regulations for making the health declaration and wearing a mask, cleaning your hands um, and everything else. Realise it's a bit of an ordeal uh, uh, but it's good to uh, keep safe and make others who meet with us uh, feel safe. Uh, the first meeting we had our long list of regulations. Uh, most of that is communicated in various posters and stuff. Um, if you've got a question, um, at the moment we have one steward. Uh, so uh, talk to our, our steward in the fluorescent top uh, if you have any questions. Uh, and I'm sure uh, he will be able to stall it and then ask someone who knows. Um, but, um, it's, uh, um, so it's good. So just uh, appreciate you turning up. It would be a lonely experience um, if it was just uh, uh, me. So just wanted to get straight into something to hopefully help you. Uh, last week we looked at the subject of prayer um, and specifically we looked at the qualities and character of our Heavenly Father because it's Him to whom we talk to when we pray. It's this uh, uh, um, very um, natural thing that we are supposed to talk to our Heavenly Father. And uh, we don't need long words, we don't need elaborate language, uh, uh, we don't need all sorts of things that other people add to prayer when we talk to our Heavenly Father. Um, and we, we discovered, uh, most importantly last week, that we don't have to pretend uh, to God who we are. God knows us very, very well, even better than ourselves. And so we don't have to put on a face, we don't have to uh, uh, put on a stance, we don't have to project anything. He knows us, and we are ourselves with him. Um, and we also learn that he is very uh, rich and powerful, and he can give us the best gifts. When we come to him, when we pray, when we have needs on our heart, he is able to respond in the very best way possible. Um, so stay seated and give me a wave if you've prayed this week. You know, a very low level uh, uh, thing. And it's good. Everyone that I can see is waving. So that's an excellent start. So hopefully the idea of these things is to just make, uh, demystify uh, our faith. Not to make it this mysterious thing that only the elite can do, but 
uh, prayer and uh, our conversation with God is something that everyone can do. And indeed, Jesus uh, it encourages everyone to get involved. Um, I really enjoyed uh, speaking to someone this week um, who was just, we were talking about the uh, talk on prayer and they said um, they really dreaded having to stand up on their own when I asked people to stand up if um, they found prayer difficult. They thought they were only one and then suddenly they found everyone in the room finding prayer difficult. You know, we all get distracted, we all get tired, we all get sleepy like the disciples and so they found it really helpful to discover that prayer is something that everyone struggles with and they found that sort of encouraging and helpful. And so this morning I want to say that even though church is weird and it is weird looking at your masked, shielded faces where the kids were just praying that they just stay where they are. Uh, that even though we've sort of uh, um, come to this weird place of this is church in the moment, I think it's really good that we've made the effort to come out. I think it's not just important for us to go to a place to worship, but it's important for other people to see other people physically come to church. Suddenly we come together and we realise everyone in this room thinks that church is important and it is worth uh, signing up to registers, it is worth giving details, it is worth uh, worrying about the track and trace uh, system uh, so we can meet together and, and you don't need help yourself but you help other people um, as well so uh, bless you for that. Um, and so I, this week I want to look at something really important in our prayer life. Last week we kind of looked at who we were praying to and today I want to look at one of the first things that Jesus says is important in prayer. Um, um, I practiced this with the kids earlier. This is so important it deserves jazz hands. So can you give me your jazz hand? Some of you are happier than others. God bless you for joining in. So this is really important, okay? This is something that should wake us up and go, I need to know this uh, when I pray. Um, now, I'm going to teach you some sign language. Maybe if you are actually familiar with the discipline of sign language, much as I uh, uh, apologise to the Greek speakers and Hebrew speakers when I try and teach Greek and Hebrew, I apologise to you if you actually uh, are, are fluent in British sign language. But as far as I can tell, and I've watched quite a few videos um, over the last few days trying to work out uh, which one it is, but as far as I can tell, um, this is the sign language I want you to learn. So I want you to stand. And you put your uh, uh, index finger to your mouth and then pull up your palm and you rub it. So you go. And everyone at home, good to see you doing it as well. Excellent, you can be seated. So as far as I can tell, that is sign language for forgiveness. Um, and Jesus taught his followers how to pray. And one of the most crucial bits, give me the jazz hands, one of the most crucial bits was asking for forgiveness and forgiving others. That this was an crucial part of uh, our prayer life. And so we're going to look at the issue of... Everyone do that. Forgiveness. If I might just do sermons all in sign language because it seems to be quite engaging. Um, and it would also be sort of diverse, wouldn't it, if uh, we did that. So, um, I'm going to read from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Because uh, we're going to look at the issue of forgiveness through the story of John the Baptist. And it says this. 
About the same time Jesus was born, another baby was born. His name was John, and God had a special job for him. John was going to get everyone ready for Jesus. The day John was born, his dad knew God's promise to Abraham was coming true. God was sending the rescuer. He was so happy, he sang a song. Because God loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love, heaven is breaking through. He is sending us a light from heaven to shine on us like the sun, to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. But obviously, Zachariah John's uh, dad sang it in a more melodic way, in sort of beats and tunes and stuff like that. Anyway, John grew up and, well, to tell you the truth, he was a bit unusual. He lived in the desert. He wore itchy, scratchy outfits made of camel hair. He had a big, big, bushy beard and long, long, scraggly hair. Um, like some of us, halfway through lockdown. And here is the oddest thing of all. He only ate locusts, short for big, creepy, crunchy grasshoppers, which he dipped in honey to disguise the taste, probably. Um, if you want to know what a locust is, perhaps you go around the beaver's house, they've got various uh, reptiles. I'd imagine they've got fridges full of uh, locusts. And you can taste what one would like is dipped in honey, possibly, if that is something you want to relive uh, uh, that. So sometimes we can read the Old Testament and we can find it hard going. There are wars that are troubling. There are lists of names that seem boring. There are strange sounding places that we cannot pronounce. And there are foreign cultures that can be hard to get our head around. Um, and uh, so we can sometimes uh, struggle with the Old Testament and uh, avoid it. Well, John's dad, Zachariah, gives us a bit of help this morning. He explains and he tells us that the key to the Old Testament is someone that the uh, Jesus Storybook calls the Rescuer. He is the key to all of Israel's history. Have you ever seen a great trick or an incredible feat or an amazing skill. You know, seen sort of seen a show or uh, a skilled professional do something that you couldn't do. So I'm talking about a motorbike jump over a string of cars. I'm talking a high wire act where an acrobat walks very high without a safety net or a man sawn in half. If you remember our magician a few years ago, uh, he like escaped from a straitjacket and that looks brilliant. So often these moments, these extreme moments, there is an instrument playing beforehand to create a, uh, a sense of expectation to get people excited. So I wonder what instrument you think is a good idea to create that sense of expectation. What sort of instrument would you have before a guy leaped uh, uh, um, through, uh, um, on a motorbike through a burning uh, circle or got sawn in harp? I want you to play a harp if you think a harp is the best instrument to use to create an expectation. I want you to stamp your feet if you think a drum 
is the better thing to have. There we go. Excellent, you can stop now, beautiful. Good to see the kids engaged. Sometimes I feel I'm spoon feeding it to you and then the look of blankness on some of your faces are perhaps on elevating this, pitching this too high and they need to dumb it down. Um, so the whole point of the Old Testament is a drum roll. Please stand your feet together. That is the whole point of the Old Testament. It is, you can stop um, it is loud, it is dramatic, it is exciting, it sets this sense of expectation of this rescuer coming. It sets the scene, it builds the tension and whets the appetite. Um, this promise to Abraham that was given long ago, all the stories of Israel are all about a rescuer that is to come, that is the answer to Abraham's promise. Dad, uh, John's dad knew this epic story, he knew the Old Testament, and when he learned that it was finally going to be fulfilled, that everything that it was about was going to come to pass, he gets so excited, he bursts into a song. And I really like that, 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 that sense of pleasure and joy and music come together. And so when John the Baptist comes, when John the Baptist arrives, he is the final beat of that percussion. He is the final thump of the uh, stick on the drum to announce the saviour had arrived. Let's pick up the story again. It says this. God sent John to tell his people something important. Stop running away from God and run to him instead, John said. You need to be rescued. I have good news. The rescuer is coming. Make your hearts ready for him. Yes, get ready because your king is coming back for you. Great crowds listened to John. They were sorry that they had sinned and they wanted to stop running away from God. They wanted to be rescued. So John baptised them, which means he plunged them in and out of water. Some of us here know what that feels like. And that showed they wanted to follow God and begin a new life. So as John the drum roll Baptist, as I'm now going to call him, prepares the way for the rescuer, he tells the people to get ready. The rescuer is coming, prepare yourselves. In particular, he tells them to get their hearts ready. Now he's not talking about the organ in their uh, um, diaphragm, he's talking about their hearts and minds, he's talking about their spirits, he's talking about their souls. This might be a bit sensitive. I wonder who in this room is the lockdown master. I want everyone to stand up, if you can, please stand. Stay standing if during lockdown you spent an entire 24 hours indoors without going out. 
if you um, spent an entire 24 hours indoors. So you didn't go out at all for 24 hours. And I'm going to increase that time and we're going to see who's the lockdown master. Stay standing if you didn't just spend 24 hours indoors, but you spent 48 hours indoors. There's some who couldn't even stay indoors for 48 hours. Um, okay, three days stay standing. Fascinating. Four days. Five days. Stay standing if you spent a week indoors without going out. Crumbs. Okay. Two weeks indoors without going out. Some people are arguing, going, yes, you did. No, I didn't. What about that time you went shopping? Um, two weeks without going outdoors. Okay, one month without going outdoors. Oh, we've got like a standoff. I don't know how far to go. Um, I think we just give them a round of applause for Tim and. Uh, Well done. We have our lockdown champions. Over lockdown, did anyone realise it's really easy after a while not to get dressed? You know, you sort of uh, bum around in your um, uh, uh, sort of pyjamas. It's easy not to wash, not to shave. And do you know what? People get hairier and smellier and scruffier. scruffier. We did a, Zoom, a few Zoom conferences and we had to double check who was online because it didn't look like the person we see on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and it becomes quite a shock, doesn't it? When you have to go out and you have to do all those things that you haven't done for a long time. Like get out of your PJs, get washed, comb your hair. As God's people waited for the rescuer, they had got lazier, dirtier and scruffier in their hearts. They had become more selfish and greedy and angry and violent and jealous and superstitious. And you kind of feel, uh, so superstitious, thank you for the question uh, from uh, the crowd. I will answer that later as we sort of find out um, how best to explain that. So John shouted out that they needed to ask God for, everyone do that. They needed to ask God for forgiveness. So that they were ready to embrace the rescuer when he comes. Now, excitingly for me up the front, the coronavirus uses the Latin word corona. Put uh, one thumb up if you think corona is Latin for beer. Excellent. Just appreciate the comedy value in that. Thank you. Put both thumbs up if you think corona is Latin for crown. Excellent, knowing glances, hopefully, between them. So under a microscope, COVID-19 
looks a bit like a crown because it has spikes on it. And those spikes underneath have this fatty substance. Now, everyone hook your hands together like this. Okay, so that is what the coronavirus and human cells are doing. It, uh, it spikes and fatty substances lock on to your human uh, cells. Okay, you can put your hands down. I have to, so I've got to read. Um, so, the coronavirus binds to your human cells by the little spikes and by that fatty uh, substance. Put one hand up if you think antibacterial gel is the best way to get rid of that connection. Fantastic, the government's messaging has gone out well. Put two hands up if you know water and soap is the best way to unlock those uh, two things. Fantastic, thank you. Antibacterial gel is okay if you're clean hands already, but it doesn't work if you are grimy and mucky. If you want to know what grimy and mucky looks like, perhaps go and speak to Peter after he's worked on his Land Rover. Water and soap are the absolute boss of making hands clean. It properly deals with the coronavirus and it properly uh, disposes of the microbes. It is the boss of hand cleaning. In John's time, in John the Drumroll Baptist's time, water was also known as the best thing to get rid of dirt. It was the best thing to help things be clean. And so what John the Drumroll Baptist did was he got, me and Alistair are going to work well, aren't we? Um, what he did, he asked people to get baptised as an outward sign of something that had happened in their heart. That they'd asked for, everyone do it, forgiveness. Mine changes each time. I'm, I'm hoping it's like a different dialect, you know, some of it's sort of Scouser, some of it's uh, Cockney. Um, there we go. So the binding of sin to a person is dissolved by forgiveness. And I really like that the uh, sign language is that sense of cleaning, isn't it? And that dissolving of the uh, bind between the two. Let's continue with the story. So we're coming to an end. Uh, if you've got Barry's on fire on there, lots of thumbs up and calls and fantastic. So really appreciate you, Barry. There's other people online, but they are uh, silent. So uh, um, that's fine. <laughs> so. <sighs> one day, we're doing well, we're right near the end. Uh, one day, John was baptising people in the Jordan, uh, in the Jordan River as usual when he looked up and he saw a man walking down to the water's edge. God spoke quietly to John. This is the one. John's heart leapt. This was the moment he'd been waiting for all his life. Look, John said, as Jesus came down into the water, but his voice came out as a whisper. He couldn't make it any louder. 
It was all he could do to even speak. The Lamb of God, God's best Lamb, who takes away the sins of the whole world. Will you baptise me too? Jesus asked. Who am I? John barely whispered. To baptise you. It's what God wants me to do, Jesus said. So John baptised Jesus. Suddenly, it was as if someone had drawn back the curtains in a dark room, as if heaven itself had opened, because a beautiful light broke through the clouds and shone down on Jesus, bathing him in gold. Beads of water glittered and sparkled like tiny diamonds in his hair. A white dove flew down and gently rested on Jesus, and a voice came from heaven. It was clear and strong and loud, so everyone could hear. This is my own son, and I love him. I am very pleased with him. God said these things. Listen to him. Heaven had broken through, and the great rescue had begun. So after John the Drumroll Baptist and the cry for cleanliness, Jesus arrives on the scene. Jesus is the long-promised rescuer. He is the subject, the entire subject of the entire Old Testament. He did exactly what his Heavenly Father guided him to do. And he was God's well-loved Son. And in the end, Jesus would die on a cross even when he didn't deserve to, to pay for our sins. His death on the cross was the means by which the stickiness between our sin and us is dissolved. It was his death that saw the harmful virus of sin being decisively dealt with. When we come to God and ask for, everyone do it with me? Jesus, um, when we come to God and ask for forgiveness, it is Jesus himself that gets rid of all the wrong in our past, that cleans us, that cleans us far better than any hot water and soap. And Jesus' death is so powerful that for God forgives even the worst of our sins. Just think for a moment. The worst thing that you've ever done. The thing that you've done in your past that you are most ashamed of. That you hope nobody ever discovers. Jesus' death deals with that. Shame is no longer something you need to fear. God has forgiven that through Jesus' death. Can I have a stomp for that? moving the camera stuck on the blue tap. And, uh, um, to my less something, I don't know. Um, so our worst sin is dissolved by Jesus' death on the cross. And that hopefully makes a lot of us in this room glad, and maybe a few online as well. I want you to stand as we come to a close. We 
have been forgiven everything. That worst shameful sin that you were thinking about a moment ago, that is done and dusted. With that has been dissolved, that has been washed away. It no longer clings to you. It is no longer fused to your human cells. It is no longer part of your spiritual identity. And that should make us glad. And I know, underneath the mask, there is just a series of toothy grins. So even though I can't see them, and some of your eyes are saying what hopefully your mouths are indicating. Um, so, if we have been forgiven everything, God says, and this is part of the prayer, that we have to let go everything done against us. I wonder if you can think of the worst thing someone's done against you. And it can quite easily rise all sorts of emotions. But God says, just as he has forgiven us everything, we need to forgive everyone that has hurt and damaged us. We need to let it go. And God says, if we don't let it go, there will be a problem in our relationship with him. Let me uh, close in prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are invited to pray to our Heavenly Father. We thank you that because of what Jesus did, all our sins can be forgiven if we ask him to. Lord God, I thank you for this sense of cleanliness and the sense of spotlessness that brings, that we no longer have to wrestle with shame and guilt because of what Jesus done. Lord God, I pray that we will be good at keep coming back to you and admitting our faults and letting you wash us clean and becoming more like Jesus. And Lord God, I also pray that you would help us to forgive others. Lord God, we thank you and we realise your forgiveness of others was most important. Lord God, I pray that we would be good at letting go the things people have done against us. All the hurt and spite and gossip and damage. Lord God, I pray that we would forgive them. Not because these things weren't wrong, not because we weren't hurt, but because we're asked to forgive, just like our Heavenly Father told us to forgive. Lord God, um, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Excellent. Please be seated. And uh, thank you to all those guys that are online, and uh, God bless you, and uh, see you very soon.